We're just going to go right into it. No more delays. Forget about the technical difficulties. This is episode 16 of the Geek Therapy Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Patrick O'Connor. He's back. We're going to talk Man of Steel. Let's do this. Dr. O'Connor, what did you think of Man of Steel? I think Man of Steel is the greatest Superman movie ever made. Whoa. That's, that's, that's high praise. That's uh, quite the claim. Yeah. Okay, justify that. Uh, I'm confident in it because uh, it's, while it's easily arguable, and as I'm reading online from uh, comic book fans, and, and I totally get it, um, it's a difficult Superman story to swallow, absolutely. However, I think as it's portrayed on screen, and uh, the fact that this is a myth that's shared by all of us, both collectively and individually, that means that individuals can make changes to the myth or, or, or alter it slightly or, or whatever to fit their vision of how they want Superman to, to be, uh, that I think it was a, a brilliant piece that gave us a, a very human side to, uh, to Kal-El and a, uh, as well as showing the conflict between himself and his Kryptonian past. It gave us uh, wonderful characters uh, played by Kevin Costner and Diane Lane, um, also of course Russell Crowe, uh, Henry Cavill himself is is spectacular, and Michael Shannon. I mean, this is it's just beautifully acted, wonderful characters uh, that that fit the bill and give us exactly what we need um, in uh, in all of the, the the side players in Superman's life. And uh, the the action is phenomenal. Um, there are mistakes made all along the way by Superman, but that is to be expected because. All we see is roughly what, like a couple of days or something that passes um, from the moment that he decides to confidently take on these powers to fighting an in impossibly difficult uh, set of villains um, who are trained in combat and and should know what they're doing, uh, but he of course is able to overcome them, and I think and that's incredibly inspiring and just uh, again spectacular movie. I I can't imagine it being done. Um, I should say, I can't imagine it being done a, a tiny bit better, but compared to any other Superman uh, presentation of, of, you know, of, of the character, um, best, best uh, movie ever. Oh, this, this episode is going to suck. I thought, I thought you would think the complete opposite. You, you pretty much said everything that I think. Mm -hmm. um, man, I really thought you weren't going to like it as much. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think this is exactly how you would see Superman in the real world. I think this is exactly what the story needed to be. And I think we're at a level in technology where you can show what a, a being with that much power um, could do. Uh, and I mean, at, at the end, I mean, so he's fighting Zod and they fly up into space and Zod pretty much just takes a satellite and slams it into Superman. And then the pieces fly down and they're all flying down and they keep fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, you, you couldn't do that before. And that's exactly what would happen if two guys with that much power were fighting. Right. And, and like you said, uh, yeah, everybody made mistakes and especially everything that, that Superman did, you could see how much he was struggling and how much he was learning. And it was... You're right. It wasn't even year one. It was day week one, right, for Superman. He was just figuring all this stuff out. He he learned how to fly right there. And he's so young and he's just reacting to everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. I think I, I thought it was fantastic, too. I mean, there was just no way um, that 
I, I don't know if I would have changed anything at the movie, honestly. Is there anything that you would have liked to have seen different? I, I, I would have, uh, you know, the, the ending is controversial. And, uh, but to the point where it's, it's being talked about so much where I feel like it's, it's, we're beating a dead horse here by, by talking about how... Con- no, but, but we have to. Wh- which part of the ending do you think is controversial? The, the snapping of the neck of, of Elzad. Um, it's, you know, it, yeah, there are cert- they certainly could have gotten to that point a little bit, uh, you know, a little better, perhaps, or, or, or drummed up the uh, the drama, or established that uh, it, it was no other choice that he could have done. You know, I, I hear those arguments, I hear those perspectives regarding all the different fighting that took place. Could it? Couldn't he have just brought him to an open field, or couldn't he have just brought Zod uh, out of the train station? I mean, they did so much movement already that he simply he easily could have just grabbed him and shot up into the air and and moved him instead of snapping his neck. I mean. You know, there are all these kind of what ifs and could haves and stuff. But again, we're establishing a story here that we're we're trying to show that the psychology of a of a character who, uh, you know, when he was young, uh, initially thought he was human and that there was nothing different about him. Then he discovers something is different. Um, his dad tells him to keep it under wraps, but that one day he'll know when it's time to really kind of let loose and to be the person he was destined to be. But he still has to earn it and train under it and and get good at at doing it. Um, he, uh, uh, so again, with all that kind of confusion and the difficulty of like, who am I and what's going on? You're in a moment like that and, and you have an opportunity in front of you. He's, he, he seizes it. And, uh, and so, yeah, anyway, I, I think with regard to the ending, sure, maybe something could have been done. I don't know. I'm not a writer, so I don't know what it would be, but I'm satisfied with the ending as it was presented, given what, uh, what Superman was going through and, and how he's still learning to be Superman. Yeah, plus um, they were pretty evenly matched towards the end. So even though they don't show Superman trying to fly up, like may- maybe something like that, like him trying to fly up and showing that Zod was just overpowering him and, you know, he couldn't go um, higher, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, maybe, you know, that split second that he tried to move, you know, he was he, he could have, Zod could have actually killed that family and he didn't want to take that chance. I saw I saw it twice, and the second time I was thinking about that, and I felt I felt okay with what was happening. I think the the imminent danger to that family was so great, and it could have just been you know just the slightest movement could have could have killed them. And I don't think Superman wanted to take that chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I feel good with it. And in my theater, people, um, the second time uh, people ch- uh, applauded when, when he killed Zod. I think. I think um, after everything he did, I think it was it was again. I can't think of anything else to do. Like why why lock him up again? Why do anything else? Um, it seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do. What would you say to? Uh, I'm curious to, to the critics who say that this is not a Superman thing to do. Uh, Superman doesn't kill. Uh, see, and and I love. I this this reminds me of um, when. The Dark Knight came out. There were so many people talking about how in The Dark Knight Rises, that's not my Batman. Batman would never do that. And when I'm watching Man of Steel, I'm thinking, I have seen this origin story so many different times. It's it's unbelievable. I was thinking, I mean, I saw every episode of Smallville. I saw the old Superboy series. I saw Lois and Clark. I've seen the other movies. I've read... You know, recently we talked about Birthright. Mm. There's Secret Origin. There's so many different versions of this same story. And each of them are, are different. There is no one Superman. I think there are certain things that are um, 
you know, common themes within them. But what, what does he do and what doesn't he do? What would he do or what wouldn't he do? And at this point in the story, I mean, he had, I mean, that fight caused a lot of death. Tons and tons of people died. This isn't a Superman that is so in control of his powers and so in control of the situation that he could really choose to just, um, you know, be be more calculated. And and really, after a day like that, his, his where was his mind? You know, he wasn't uh, clear headed at that moment. And and yeah, maybe an, an older, more adult Superman might might see different options. And an older Superman might also be stronger and be able to handle Zod. But I don't see it as something that Superman wouldn't do. It's definitely something that this Superman would do. And I think that's, that's what we need to consider. Every one of the, every version is different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think uh, we're both on on the same page there that uh, Superman can be presented in in multiple different ways. But of course there is the, 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 you know, what could be described as the one true canon, you know, the one uh, common myth that's shared by our society of Superman and, and, uh, just the same as uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne, and he lives in Wayne Manor, and he is, uh, um, you know, he's a, a billionaire and has all these gadgets and no superpowers. And we can list off all these things about about who Batman is based on like what should be universal truths. And and I feel like and that and that's where I'm, I am giving weight, of course, to the critics who are saying that this is a a, a, a very poor choice of of a story element to allow him to kill because I, I'm, I'm trying to translate it and think of it in terms of what if, uh, you know, Batman was, was Bruce Wayne and, uh, but Bruce Wayne didn't have any money, um, or was just like a regular guy. How much does that affect, um, the, you know, the access to gadgets and toys that, that Batman has, or what if, uh, Batman lived with his full family or parents didn't die or something. I mean, it, it, I, I see at least the significance of, Having Superman killing a, a character is, uh, I feel like, is just as as huge of a change within that character as we would see in Batman and in some of the examples I just gave. However, I think, um, as I've mentioned, I think that uh, it's still just another telling of it, and I'm hopeful that since it seems to be that it's going to be a trilogy and that it's they're setting up for a second movie. That this and and because of his you know no reaction at the end there. His, uh, that we're going to see a lot of heartache, a lot of uh, a lot of trauma uh, reverberating throughout uh, Superman's life and, and Clark Kent's life as he takes on that persona. Um, although the movie finishes with smiles on everybody, uh, my expectation would be the only way to, to write this would be to go in a direction of at least in the beginning of the second movie establishing that this is such a huge source of regret and perhaps could be fuel for motivation for Clark Kent and, and Superman to right these wrongs, that how how can he behave as a human and as a superhero to right the wrong that he committed when he uh, murdered General Zod? I think that's the great part about these new franchises. They're they're a lot more realistic in in every single way that I can imagine. Um, the same thing that happened with Iron Man. The stuff that happened in the Avengers affected him so much that. You can't you can't ignore that in in Iron Man three right because it's immediately after. So I agree. I don't think you can ignore the events that happened in in Man of Steel, in in a sequel. You can't ignore them at all. Um, and and I'm I'm really interested in seeing how the whole world is going to react to what has happened. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I think what, what Zack Snyder and uh, David S. Goyer and, of course, uh, what the Christopher Nolan as producer, I think what they've done here is that they've done a cent- I'm hoping at least, I'm putting some faith here uh, out there for them, is that they've done what has existed in comic books for you know, since the inception of, of comic books, and that is throwing out a big, big cliffhanger, right? At the end of every comic book, there's going to be something that's going to carry the reader forward and, and look forward to next time. And can you believe what just happened? How is this going to be resolved in the next issue? Or the other way around of, of what's going to happen next? Can you, can you anticipate what's about to happen in the next issue? I think that Killing Zod, although it may not have been so clear to, to us, it wasn't uh, put out there uh, you know, in a heavy-handed manner. Rather, I think that the Killing of Zod is exactly a, a, a comic book cliffhanger that is going to compel people, and I'm hoping comic book fans too, uh, com- of course, you know, comic book fans, uh, the general public, everybody, that's going to compel them to see the second movie because we all need to know how does Superman and, and uh, you know work with this? How does he respond to this action? How does it affect him as a person? Um, because, as you said, they absolutely have to uh, you know, reference it and make it a big deal in the second movie. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do that. I, I, I'm expecting them to make that a big deal. I, I hope it's not as much of an issue for him as, um, again, as, as Tony Stark's experience was for him in, in Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he's, he has more of a clear conscience because just like I have... I don't know what he could have done different because it's not just the guy that he that he got rid of. He he killed somebody who how many deaths did did Zod, um, you know, was he responsible for and how much destruction did he cause? He killed, you know, he started at the beginning. He killed he was killing people on Krypton. And then as soon as he stepped on um, on Earth, he was killing tons of people. So I wonder you know, how clear his conscience will be or if it'll influence his decisions in the future, but maybe not be as, as haunting. Mm. Maybe I hope, because then it would be too, too psychological, right? The, the, the struggle. And, and I think that that's something that's kind of hard to put in a movie. And I don't know how much you want to do that with a, a superhero movie, because it's something that's really internal Mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm, I'm not completely convinced that that's what I want in my big summer blockbuster. Right. But I, I definitely don't want them to ignore it. Right, right. Now, what I do, would like to see is in the sequel, um, a theme that's very common with Lex Luthor is how, he, how much he is essentially afraid of a being like, like Superman. And in some cases, he's jealous of him. In some cases, he's just angry at the audacity of, of, of a being like that existing. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that the effects of everything that happened in the movie will play into the second one more for... Because a lot of people have, have asked, well, if something like that happened, like, would you be... Would everybody be okay with Superman? Nobody knows who this guy is. And the day he shows up, the world is almost destroyed. So a lot of people are probably on the side of, well, this guy's no good. Um, we, you know, he, he, he's no good for, for, for us. More of a, like the way everybody hates Spider-Man, right? Kind of thing. So, and I think the leader of that would be Lex Luthor. I would love to see him like run a campaign for president like he did in the comics, but based on, on that. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's my hope for a sequel. Yeah, no, that would that would definitely be really cool. And uh, and I don't know if you caught it. This was something that was circulated a little bit, but was kind of thankfully a little bit more subtle in the movie. Um, that the satellite that was that was destroyed had a Wayne Tech. Yeah, Wayne Tech logo on it. Um, yep. Yeah. So you know, there's that that presence. You know, it does that uh, Bruce Wayne exists in this world. Um, of course, Lex Luthor. We saw plenty of LexCorp stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Lex Luthor would be, of course, an, an excellent, also predictable, but still great, uh, worthy villain to have in the, in, uh, the next movie. Um, and in a way it's, it's kind of a, a natural kind of poetic, like, uh, follow-up, right? We have, um, uh, we have Superman fighting against a Kryptonian, kind of defeating the, the Kryptonian side of him, or, or at least facing the Kryptonian side of him. And hopefully in the next movie, he faces the human side of him. Here is a human who is uh, who wants him destroyed, wants him off the earth, or wants him to be shown that he's not number one. He's not the most powerful being on the planet. Perhaps uh, you know humans can be too. Um, the kind of classic you know us versus them mentality. Um, I think that would be really cool to see in the second one. And so then we get two great movies side by side of confronting you know your original self, uh, your birth self, and then confronting your adopted self. Um, of course, Zack Snyder's not known for the deepest character development in his movies, typically, but um, there's still a lot of fun, a lot of great action, really exciting to watch. And um, and like I said, I'm still very hopeful that, that uh, we're going to get a quality movie in the second one that's going to address a lot of the questions and a lot of the concerns that were born out of the first. So like what? Like what, what else do you want to see answered in the second? Hmm. I, let's see. I think uh, we got a lot of uh, Krypton background, which again fits the first movie, so I, I'm satisfied there. Um, I would like to see uh, a, a bit more, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's a little difficult to request something like this from Zack Snyder, but um, some more character development in between Clark Kent and Lois Lane and seeing um, that romance flourish very naturally and not just as a final hurrah, you know, just a little, oh, you know, I guess they got a kiss now. Um, it's uh, uh, you know I think they, I think bringing out that human side and really focusing on that and how much he's trying to um, assimilate into the human culture as an adult as opposed to kind of growing up within it and being told this other side of you keep down now it's going to be embrace this other side of you while still living comfortably within um, to you know what is to Kal-el an alien civilization that he's uh, that he's been. Um, adopted by, um, so I think that uh, I think all of that would be great in the the you know the romance, the relationship, whatever you want to call it between Clark Kent and Lois Lane. I really liked Amy Adams as as Lois, and in in Smallville, it was um, they they did it. The order of of events was different from a lot of the ways um, it's happened in other comic books. In that Lois and Clark know each other way before Superman comes into existence and they start dating and are engaged before Superman is a, is a figure. And I like that this movie sets up that similar dynamic. So in the second one, there isn't, you know, there isn't that, Oh, how can she not know that he's Superman um, when she knows both sides of him? I think it, it'll be great to see how that dynamic plays out where they're both reporters and they're both um, have their ear to the ground. Like he mentions at the end, and she's able to support him in that and cover for him. And I think that'll be a really fun dynamic to see on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Not so much of a romance, but more of a, 
about partnership. I think I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. So I I thought the movie was pretty as realistic as it could be um, in many different uh, facets, right? I know it's not in the same world as the Dark Knight trilogy um, for now, right? I mean, uh, it seems it seems like that's not going to be the case. Like there they will be completely different worlds, but there's still this. Uh, it still seems grounded on a lot of uh, realism. So. Um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I think it was, uh, I, you know, I got that. I felt that, too, that, okay, we're going to ground it more in realism. Um, at the same time, it's I, I try not to get too caught up in that because I think that there are going to be too many small um, contradictions to that. You know, how, how could it be grounded in reality when, uh, you know, he's doing this versus that or this happens versus that and, and uh, getting thrown around or, or whatnot. I mean, I feel like there's as soon as you begin to get into a, a, a strong argument of realism that people are, are all up in arms of saying, like, how could it be? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I, what I liked about it was, uh, regarding the realism, was that um, it wasn't... I, I guess what I liked about it was, was that the tone was not necessarily just feel-good. The Superman is certainly a fun character. He is a great character to have fun with, to read fun stories from, and to see him be playful and, and joyful and and all of that and uh, and you know to be silly and 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 to to enjoy flying and all of that. I mean, it's that's so cool. At the same time, I liked that it was uh, not drummed up as being silly or goofy or too. Um, too much on kind of the happy side of things. I actually appreciated that because I think that focusing a little bit more on the gritty uh, gives us more to kind of uh, identify with or to agree with. And, you know, because the joy that he feels while flying can't be directly felt by, by us. I mean, we, it can be while watching a movie and kind of escaping a little bit. You know, there's that fantasy piece. But we can all identify with the heartbreak of losing someone you love. We can all identify with the heartbreak of not being able to uh, easily solve a problem in the moment or or feeling alien even ourselves in a new workplace in an, uh, if we're um, you know w- with uh, kids in foster care or uh, or any kind of setting where you're the new guy or the new girl the new person um, and, and you're trying to assimilate into that culture it we can identify with all of the, the struggles that this Superman had and that's what I appreciate about it that I thought does you know that's kind of the realism stuff that I focus on is uh, is that he's showing us a lot of these struggles and and I was very appreciative of that. Yeah, a lot of people um, I've heard a lot of critics say, oh, my favorite, one of my favorite films is the old Richard Donner Superman number one, and yeah, the tone is completely different. These are completely different versions of of the character, and yeah, there's no camp in this one, and it doesn't ignore all of the. All the all of the drama. I mean, there's a lot going on in this movie from beginning to end. Every single um, thing that moves the story along is not is not really happy. Like even the reason why he was born uh, was to to kind of right a wrong that that his parents felt had been going on in their culture for for years, and it was sad that they had to let him go. And the reasons. I don't know. Every all everybody's motivations were really serious, very heavy, and not very lighthearted. There wasn't a lot of feel good to see there. So to, to even think that um, 
that Clark turned out as well as he did, considering everything that surrounded his existence, period, is um, was good. So I, I still think there was uh, there was a lot of talk in the movie about how our hopes and dreams travel with you, and I think that it, it was it's a great um, comparison. You know how he represents this, all of this um, light in in so much dark, and I agree with you. They they. You know, going back to the the how it, it's grounded in reality, more than reality, I think it's that they follow. They don't ignore the obvious, and they set up a, a certain uh, certain rules, and they follow them through. Because I hate it in a superhero movie where a superhero, you know, they have these powers. Um, I don't know if did you ever see the the TV series Heroes on NBC? Yes. Ah, oh, I, I that that oh that series used to piss me off. It it made me so frustrated because you knew that these guys had certain powers and they would be in in these situations and not use them or do something that you would never do in a situation like that if you had those powers. Um, I think that's the beauty of Invincible. I love that series because every time I read it, I say exactly. If I had those powers, that's exactly how I would have reacted. And it's surprising that a lot of stories, a lot of writers don't. They seem to like think that they want to do one particular thing in a story and they want the plot to go in a certain direction and then they ignore all the rules. And I think that this movie did a fantastic job of laying out the groundwork, setting up the rules and following them at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's plenty of evidence in the movie that shows that Superman isn't yet Superman. I mean, you've got you've got the one on the one hand um, nobody calls him Superman until it's it's near the end of the movie, and it's just kind of like a, a almost like a joke, as an aside. Like this is this is what you're calling him. Um, it's what the guys call him now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, so. There's that reference that that it's still something that he is an indicator that he is not fully adopted this kind of um, at least professional level. You know, like I'm good at at being Superman kind of thing. Um, this isn't fully in his identity yet. The other piece though is um, something that occurred during uh, the, the Smallville fight on, on Main Street there with, uh, I'm trying to think of her name. Uh, Fiora. Yeah, Fiora, uh, Fiora Ohl. Um, as she is... Such a badass. Oh, man. Yeah. She was... <laughs> um, she, when she's fighting the, uh, the, the army guys and she goes up and you see her like dart from like, uh, you know, soldier to soldier... And, and she's just, like, knocking them out. And it's so fast, like, you don't see it. All of a sudden, she just pops from, like, one to the next because she's mastered her, her ability to, to fight in combat. She's mastered her agility. She's trained as a soldier. She knows how to use her powers. She's excellent at them, at using those powers. Um, Superman, you know, people uh, have been bashing all over Twitter about how he's just crashing through buildings and he's so messy in what he's doing and all the fighting and it was all, you know, unnecessary here, you know, I think it, they laid it out pretty clearly that here, this is what a trained soldier looks like who knows what they're doing and can adapt in a combat situation in Fiora All. And then here is Superman who is just learning as he goes and trying to figure it out. Like he's mastered some level of his powers, of course, over time. As he said, you know, he's, he would intensely kind of like focus on, on uh, ignoring certain things, you know, not letting his super hearing or, or uh, x-ray vision get to him, um, that they... That that he there are some things that he is in in complete control over, but for the flying, for the super strength and everything like that, he really hasn't been given much room to practice a lot of that. And so he's going to make mistakes. He's going to fly kind of lazily around and and not be able to right himself in in such an intense combat situation. 
and they address that twice in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Fiora addresses it with him directly and tells him, you know, I've been trained as a soldier and uh, I am um, like I have no like we have no sense of morality. And, you know, this this like makes me stronger than you. Mm-hmm. And and Zod at the end, he's like, I was trained as a soldier and you grew up on a farm. Come on. And he's like, you fly. I can fly. Check this out. And right there, he's he he just demonstrates what all that training and 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 that ability to to focus and harness his skills, um, how different it is compared to exactly just Clark bashing into Zod when he thought his mom was in danger. Right. I I almost wonder how uh, Superman's like inability to to steer the the fight into a safer location or to uh, to avoid. His his struggle with avoiding mass casualties or, or you know collateral damage and all that stuff. I wonder if that would have been better received simply if the story was changed to say you know what instead of being thirty three years old he's like eighteen, you know, or let's say sixteen or twenty one or something. You know, we'll just change his age to show that he's still yet more more innocent or still untrained and doesn't know. I'm I'm basically taking that mentality and putting it into the body of a thirty three year old here, where I'm thinking that. He, while he's, you know, been a human for 33 years of his life, his use of powers has, has of course, uh, as as you mentioned, has been confronted uh, to him by the the soldiers, the, the Kryptonian soldiers. Um, that this that use of his powers, the mastery of his powers, he's still very much in a developmental stage. He's still uh, an earlier developmental stage. He's still at kind of the adolescent stage of being a superhero, and that's what we saw in the movie. And he's gonna, you know, guess what? He's gonna make mistakes in really tough situations like what do I do with Zod now here in my arms he does it and he is just full of regret and this is uh, you know it's it's it really really hits him hard at the core all right so so the moment that Clark meets Jor-El Jor-El tells him you're stronger than I ever imagined and you'll get stronger you just have to push yourself right mm-hmm. and then um, Jonathan Kent essentially told him to hide himself um, the entire the entire film, and and we can discuss. We need to discuss um, Jonathan Kent's role in in Superman's life. But do you think that by telling Clark to always um, keep himself essentially hidden, hidden until he was ready, although that that part wasn't completely clear at some points, you know, believing so much that he couldn't let him his real side be known to the point where he sacrificed his life for that. Do you think that was beneficial to, to Clark? And do you think now that you were saying like, he's, he's a 33 year old man and he's, he's kind of acting like an 18 year old. I didn't think about it that way until you said it just now. But do you think that um, his father, Jonathan's uh, way of bringing him up had anything to do with that? I think so. I I think that, as as Jonathan is is bringing him up, as Paul Kent is is raising him and trying to instill a good work ethic and and uh, you know care for his fellow man and uh, as well as you know some a little bit of humility and using his powers you know it seemed like it was it was kind of I, it went back and forth I felt like between um, you know don't show it because people are afraid of you but I think part of that with that message was a little bit of make sure that you're humble with it that you have something no one else does and the moment that you use it you know, for to give yourself an advantage over a human is when you are, are no have no longer possess any human quality. And that of course is going to then for you know therefore lead to the uh you know human race rejecting you. Um 
I think. But, the, but what happened on the bus was was like really specific, right? Like he's a kid and he tells his dad, "What, what was I supposed to do? Let him die?" Right. And even though it seems difficult for for his father to say maybe, but but that was his answer. You know, that's what he was saying. Like, don't even, don't don't even use your powers at all, right? At that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can only imagine being, you know, being in that situation as a father and and taking in a child like that when you don't have any children of your own, you're later on in your years in life and you and you don't just get a child, a human child, but you get one with unique powers and you don't know what the limits are. Um, you know, you and I of course have talked at length about, you know, some of our favorite series being irredeemable and incorruptible um that we saw this with with that character with the Plutonian as as a child that as he's bouncing from foster home to foster home, as they're rejecting him because they're so afraid of, of a being with powers, like having a small boy who can lift a bus or a small boy who, who you know, could levitate or fly or could move around. It wasn't really shown in the movie, but, um, you know, what can this child do um, that, that already I have no, I, I can't, there's no, how can I wrangle that in? How can I tell an 8-year-old or a 13-year-old or looks like you're getting a little hot-headed please don't take that fence and like you know beat this other child to death with it um because you easily can this you could do this without hesitation and not even know because you don't know the limits of your own strength and i can't stop you i can't go over and give you a hug to slow you down or you know or, or anything like that so in these moments i think it really show it really illustrated pa kent being feeling kind of helpless of how do i guide a child that I don't even have like the biological makeup to, to prepare him for any kind of life. How do I guide a child that, that has powers I couldn't even dream of myself? Um, you know, dream of. So, so I got I got that and in part the the fear of, of of just not knowing how to deal with it, how to handle it. But there was also he also seemed extremely protective of of Clark, and protective. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird type of protection. It's like. Like a kid telling his his parents that um, that he's gay, and his parents are like, "Well, I have no problem with that. That's okay, but maybe you shouldn't tell anybody because people will hurt you, or or they won't accept you, mm-hmm. right?" And there's there's a lot of that. There's like at at some point, like he tells them, like, "You know, they can't hurt me," and but still, you you don't want anybody to know because they 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 may hurt me, or they there may be something much worse happening to me it it was a strange strange dynamic and i think i think it's part of the grounded in reality part right like how many parents would have just um jumped on the fact that whoa you got superpowers that's so cool let's go let's go out patrolling and 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 save people right or if you saw something on the news and you just tell your kid yeah go help that family get out of that fire or something like that i think the protective nature was was understandable but I still, I'm still not convinced that it was. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine being in a situation like that. But, but what? How different would it have been if Jonathan would have told him, you know, embrace this and be yourself, and and you'll be better for it, and the world would be better for it. Like, which is essentially Jorel's um, message. Right, he knows he'll be a god among them, but he'll be able to instill hope, and in in these people, and show them wonders, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Oh, such a such an interesting dynamic between the two fathers. And I, in you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the grounding and reality piece, uh, especially with 
in the analogy of uh, of a child coming out and saying that they're gay. Um, I think that's uh, that's very accurate and very similar experience, at least uh, as is portrayed in the movie. That what do you do when a child is is saying that there's something about me that um, perhaps in this community, maybe as as Pa Kent knew, um, you know that this may be not really be the best community to reveal that in. Um, you're going to get picked on. You know he's already getting picked on. Um, it could get worse. This could harm himself. It could change his perspective of people as he's beginning to understand that he's different from people and that this could you know, send him on a very different path. It reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the It Gets Better campaign. You know, there's so much out there about, about feeling pride in yourself and feeling good about yourself and finding a community to, uh, to identify with and, and to feel supported by. Um, but at the very least, you need to hold out hope that it gets better. It's just, it's just going to get better. That you're going to get older. We're all going to get older. We're all going to become more mature. More rights will become available. We're all going to, going to be a bit more accepting of, of uh, something that at least in your youth, m- people may not be accepting right away. Here's something that Clark kind of doesn't have that luxury of saying, oh, I'll just find the other superheroes. I'll just find the other Kryptonians who are here along with me. The other kids in the world who have super strength and and you know, can walk through fire without issue and see through walls and skin and all that stuff. He doesn't have that luxury, so I, it kind of seemed to me like what Jonathan Kent was doing was basically adopting the it gets better kind of idea, that let's just hold out a little bit, you know, let's, let's watch what we're doing. You know, he, didn't, he never told them to totally hide it, you know, to hide it entirely or to, or, um, you know, to forget it exists or, or anything like that or to, to abolish it from his life. Rather, it seemed to be like let's kind of keep it out of the public eye a little bit, you know. Let's uh, let's just keep it uh, a Kent thing or or, or whatever, and uh, and then in time you'll know when it's when you're ready and the world is ready for you, um, and that's that's exactly what he did. Oh, it's such a complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Just like ten themes that pop up that I, I'm I'm not sure which one to tackle. Oh, I don't know, but I mean, but it definitely it it was. It was really good for the story and for the movie that that's the version of Jonathan Kent that that this Clark had in his life and how that affected him. You know, and he talked about how when his father died, you know, that that haunted him for a long time. But he believed in his father. He honored what he wanted. And and he questioned at the end what to do. Yeah. So strange. So so difficult. Yeah. I loved I loved that moment, too, with Clark and his dad. Um, as uh, as they're in the truck and, and you know just before he gets pulled up into the tornado, um, you know you want to talk about a powerful scene and uh, um, and I read uh, Mark Wade's take on it, who wrote Superman Birthright, and of course he it sounded like he loved a lot of elements of the movie, but absolutely completely disagrees with that that ending with with Zod. Um, but uh, he he makes a great point and really illustrates how wonderful it is that. That we have in one moment, Clark Kent telling Dad like you're not my real dad, and tearfully just like rejecting him and saying like that's you know I'm I can't believe this, and and in in that moment, removing himself from the family and perhaps removing himself from people. Right? We see this you know the what if of like the worst nightmare. What happens if I can't control or you know not necessarily control, but like if I can't steer my child in the right direction and I can't keep them from losing control and keep them from abusing their powers, you know, what then? We see Clark just begin to do that 
but then something kind of sidetracks the situation, something like a tornado, and uh, and you know, and suddenly people are in need. Pa Kent takes over. He he instructs everybody what to do, demonstrates heroism in that moment, and Clark gets to witness that. And just as he was rejecting him as a father moments ago, now he wants to go help him. Jonathan holds up his hand, says, "No, you wait right there," and he listens. You know, a, a Clark Kent who was really going to reject his father and remove himself from humanity uh, would have just not listened to him and said, well, I'm the savior of everybody and I'm an alien that can do whatever and I can, I can get in there and I can save you and do and, you know, all these uh, and, and save the day. And still, Jonathan's still trying to instill some humility and, and say, it's not time yet. Please, this isn't, you know, you only need to save this for when the time is right. Um, and this isn't it. And Clark listens. He listens to his dad because he still maintains that trust in him. And then there's that mark that sticks with him for, for the rest of his life of what it's like to be a hero, what it's like to be um, you know, good in, in, in tough situations. Uh, but again, he, it's, he only had humans to model that for him. You know, he, uh, he, as, as people, we are fault, you know, faulted. We have faults. We, we're not perfect. And, he, and as much as it would be great to have Puck can be perfect in the movie. He wasn't, as you mentioned, the bus thing of, you know, well, maybe. Um, we got a very real kind of Paul Kent that was just a wonderful father figure for Clark to learn how to be a human. But I can't help but think that if um, Jonathan would have been more supportive, just in... Because uh, by what ha- what happens with jor um towards the middle of the movie when he gets um, the Superman costume... And, you know, and his father just tells him, push yourself to new limits and you'll see that you're, you're stronger. You'll be stronger than, than you are right now. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but think that if Jonathan would have been at least even more curious, right, and not, not how he was at the age where that, where that accident happened with the tornado, I mean, Superman could have gone, picked him up and put him somewhere else and then gone back under the bridge and nobody would have really noticed. Like it would have been in a blink of an eye. And he he was so young and so unexperienced and didn't have uh, you know really good control of his powers. He couldn't he couldn't do something like that. He couldn't even conceive being able to do something like that. But perhaps it's like like you said. I mean, we're looking at it from the outside. But if if you know he was only human, and maybe by raising him as a human, he didn't even realize that he had that type of potential. Right. Again, let's go, you know, it's all about Man of Steel, and I don't want to spend too much time, of course, on Irredeemable, but let's bounce back to that just for a quick moment, that here is the flip side that just as easily, I think, could have happened. You've got either the completely pure Jonathan Kent that, you know, raises him well and and allows him to be, uh, you know, Superman kind of on his terms or teaches him how to be uh, truly heroic and, and to use his powers... Um, perhaps even in youth and, and could have saved the day right there or what have you. Uh, but the flip side is you've got a kid who is stronger than you can possibly imagine who can lift buses and you know, move houses and uh, punch through walls and, and, you know, in the blink of an eye and, and all that. Um, so powerful. And, and how many parents would be scared to kind of let that loose and to, and to confront all of that and say, let's start training or let's, let's see how, how uh, you know, see what you can do when you've got all the, the typical issues of childhood of, of making friends and having romantic interests and figuring out what you want to do in life and how you're different from your parents as you're forming your own identity. All of these issues that come up through normal childhood and, and adolescent development uh, to throw 
superpowers into that mix has has to be has on, on some level, although we don't see it so directly, um, could have been terrifying to to a father. Like what you know, am I opening Pandora's box by by encouraging my son to just you know to really kind of focus on his powers and to practice them or, or anything like that. Maybe it would be safer for all of us if we just kind of, if I just have faith that he'll know when it's time and that he will, he will use it for good and, and use it as an adult when he can control it perhaps a little bit better. I don't know. That's, that's, that's where I was, what I was kind of reading into the, uh, the Jonathan King character. Yeah. And he definitely, if he didn't try to um, help, help Superman or help Clark, develop his powers right because who knows how to do that he definitely helped him develop a sense of um restraint resiliency uh, control and again that humility and he was just like clark by the time he he's confronting the military at the end you can tell he's just like a good guy he's just a really nice guy mm-hmm. and and really that's that's got to be attributed to to the way that jonathan raised him I was thinking, like, yeah, Irredeemable is one example, but more recently in in film, um, I just saw Chronicle recently. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Uh, so Chronicle's about these kids who who also get superpowers. And um, have you seen Looper? Yeah. By any chance? Okay. So spoilers for Looper and Chronicle, but in those two movies, um, there's there there are these kids with with powers, right? And really, really great abilities. And in, in one of them, the mom pretty much tries to hide him from everybody because he's dangerous. And um, in Chronicle, there's three different people who get powers, and one of them is also extremely dangerous. And I think that if they would have had Jonathan in their lives, maybe maybe things would have been a little different, you know? Um, and, and they wouldn't have turned out to be as dangerous uh, as they were because they weren't really bad. They were just kids and they were young and they were angry and and they also had these powers. And when they lashed out, they lashed out like somebody with powers would. The same thing that happens in Irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. So the more we talk about it, the, the better I feel about um, everything that Jonathan that Jonathan did. Right, right. Yeah, he was he was just a wonderful character, um, and I was and it again. Uh, I think it fits. I, it fits for like you said, they established the rules and they followed them. I think it fits for the world that they envisioned. And yeah, he had to be that way. Yeah, otherwise Superman wouldn't have been who he was. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. It's a yeah. I, I love the movie. I really did. I really did. Yes, it was dark. Um, it still had bouts of humor. Um, the action. The action was exactly what it had to be for the level of power that these people had. And Zod was a bad guy. And, and yeah, he wanted to fight around other people. And a lot of people died. But that's what would happen if you essentially had humans that were, like, you know, as powerful as, you know, huge bombs, you know, going off over and over and over again in a city. That's that's there would be a lot of destruction. There would be a lot of uh, buildings crumbling and satellites dropping from the sky. And I I don't see. I think they did it exactly the way that it needed to be done. There was no holding back. Right. So I loved it. I love the action. Yeah. Um. I, again, because just it, because it fit, it had to be that way. Exactly. I loved it too. And uh, again, as I started off, I said I thought greatest superman movie you know in in you know ever created and i think that 
uh, you know, for, for people who like, uh, although this isn't, you know, the podcast isn't typically for like movie reviews and all that kind of stuff, but it can be, yeah, yeah. A matter. <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, kind of demonstrate my, my love for it. I would give it a solid nine, um, only because there are so few movies that I've ever seen. I would, I would dare give a 10 to out of 10. So I think, uh, I think a, a nine really, I, I loved it so much through and through. And, um, and I think, Maybe. yeah. Maybe we should come up with a geek therapy rating scale. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. What should what should it be? <laughs> this is subject to change, by the way. We're making this up on the fly. This would be issue nine out of ten. I don't know. Issue issue nine out of ten. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not you know it's not the big uh, the big hurrah or the big kind of resolution, but you're right there the, at the big bang of it. Maybe uh, the, you know the, the the big battle. Um, yeah, so maybe issue nine out of ten. It was uh, it was just excellent through and through. I don't know. I think I don't think I would rate it as high. I really liked it. It's not one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, I did see it twice because we were going to discuss it, and and there were a few things that I really wanted to to understand a little better and and kind of have fresher in my mind. But I think I don't know. I think I'd definitely give it maybe a seven. Say a seven. Seven's the that's the safe score that says I like it. But it, uh, you're not going to commit to a. a, a glowing score or a mediocre score i mean no not at all because i think i there's nothing that i don't like about it just for me personally i i wait i i dark knight was definitely much more powerful to me like it, it hit me in a different way but i think i think as a superman movie it's a nine out of ten mm-hmm. as just a movie i would say it's a seven out of ten for me this is so subjective but yeah sure but I really, really, really liked it, and I can't wait to see it um, on uh, at home and high def. You know, see it really crisp and clear. Yeah, and I will say too that you know if, if I can, um, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a shameless plug about Comicspedia. Uh, you know, when it comes to superhero stories and how much people can relate to them, I would give it a considerably lower score. As much as I liked all the the realism stuff and showing us a flawed Superman and a flawed uh, Clark Kent growing up and um, and all of that, I think, uh, and you know, not making it so detached that it's just a, a fun guy flying around and having a good time, and and you know, being like purely heroic. Um, I think uh, I, I do think that it it definitely would not be high in terms of like other movies that have great connecting value. Um, you know, other movies that that show more human side of things and and give us characters that we can relate to and to follow in their struggle and have maybe tearful conclusions and. And, and all of that, um, you know, it, on the, uh, I guess on like the, the um, Comicspedia scale of, uh, you know, like uh, the, the psychology connection of the movie, um, that I would probably give about a 5 out of 10. So this is what we're going to do from now on. Whenever we talk about a movie, we'll just rate it on tons of different scales. Yes, we'll okay. lay it out. We'll have uh, about 14 different scales. And, uh, yes. and then just like IGN, we'll conclude and say everything's a 9 out of 10. Okay. Oh, that's not that's not fair. Um, so so and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another scale out there too. Um, I I some of my favorite movies are two of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Pianist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, and I really like Schindler's List, for example. Those are really depressing movies, but something about them I just I just love, and I love this movie kind of in that vein also. Yes, it was a depressing movie, but it was depressing in a, in a great way. 
because it it had really bad stuff happening and you still had really hopeful moments and just that struggle i think i think that so so i put it um let me see so i'll give it a, an 8.5 out of 10 on the depressing struggle yet um great movie scale awesome. <laughs> <laughs> i really liked it i really liked it i i want to see a sequel so badly i really do yeah same here and i'm okay with it existing in a separate world from from uh the dark knight I think I go back and forth on that. I would love to see Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne reaction to seeing what happened in Metropolis and adjusting his game plan to that. Mm-hmm. No, I want to see that movie better. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I, I wish like my dream scene for after the credits, which there was no scene after the credits. Right. Um, but my, my dream scene was, uh, Superman flying um, to like some Arctic cold location and Bruce Wayne is just like ice fishing or something like that on his own, you know, just always trying to push himself to the next level or something. And he's living in this extreme cold and Superman just flies down. It's like, we got to talk like something like that. Mm -hmm. I would, I would love to see those two versions of, of the characters together. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be cool to see the Superman teamed up with others. Of course, there's so many rumors of, uh, um, you know, uh, the Superman Batman movie or a Justice League movie. So it'll be cool to see where where it goes from there. But uh, but yeah, I, I want I certainly want more of this Superman. But I want more of that Batman too. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be nice. Okay, so um, one thing I do want to mention, just because we haven't talked about the movie at all until now, we we um, we embargoed, um, we self-imposed embargoes, couldn't talk about it in public or at all. So this is the first time we're talking about the movie. Um, I don't know how you saw the movie, but I saw it in IMAX 3D, and his chest hair sticking out of the costume was distracting. <laughs> yeah. Disgust. Yeah. Um... Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Actually, and there's another feature that I wanted to mention, though, about the, I'll call it a feature. Um, at least the chest hair wasn't a feature. But, um, yeah, I did notice the chest hair sticking out, and, and uh, I tried to, to ignore that. Um, wh- the one thing that I noticed, and I'm curious if you picked up on it, if I imagined it, or if it's something now that perhaps on repeat viewings that we'll pay more attention to, is was the um, purity of Superman's voice that when you listen to the movie and listen to people speak, I distinctly heard a, different, a difference in quality of Superman's voice as, as when he talks to people. There was something about like the clarity, perhaps, of his audio track, um, maybe the tone of it, that it had a sort of... There was, it was almost musical, not in the sense that there was a, uh, you know, any kind of like tone change or, you know, the changing of notes or pitch or anything like that, but rather... Auto-tune? Yeah, right, yeah, no, no auto-tune. Um, but that he, it just, it sounded different. It sounded like just wonderful. Like, I, I loved listening to him and I, and I had, I had this response of, of, of like, me, like what it sounds like to listen to a superhero, to listen to Superman. I, like I said, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if I imagined it, but it was there was a moment that it clicked, and then I, that's all I could hear. That's what I focused on. I was like, man, I don't know how they're doing this, but 
Superman just sounds different than everybody else. That this is just a, a wonderful voice to hear. Huh. Well, I mean, there were there were scenes where everybody else had those breathers on, like those masks on, and, and they sounded like they were coming from behind something or through something. Right, right. But even I'm talking even at the very end, um, you know, as as he's addressing Zod, even uh, just before their their final fight. Um, you know, all in the rubble, just uh, it, all in the thick of the action at the end. Like was, that's when it was clearest to me when I started purpose like, listening for it. That kind of picked up a little bit in the middle of the movie. Um, that's when it was like, yeah, this this guy just sounds like like they're giving him a certain quality, a certain level of, of voice that uh, is is better than everyone else's. I, I don't know how to describe it. That's interesting. I, I I will keep I'll keep my ears open for that on repeat viewings. Good. Because I know I saw it twice at the same theater, actually, once in 3D and once uh, regular. And it sounded very different both times. That type of stuff bugs me. Um, and depending on where you saw it or, or what kind of sound system they were using, um, there's a lot of differences. But there was definitely something about the way he spoke. There was I, I don't know about the sound quality of it, but there was something about his demeanor and the way that he spoke to people. He was... He was different. He was definitely different, but it was so, I don't know. I did have a different uh, uh, feeling about when he spoke. There was something powerful about how calm he was and yet how assertive he was. Again, like this kindness to his voice and a strength to it. I don't know. The way he did that accent is fantastic. He's, he's British, and he, the, the accent that he used for that, for that role was really, really good. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And... Um, th- what I can kind of liken it to is, uh, although a different speaking style, of course, is think about Agent Smith in The Matrix and how here was a, a person who was likely instructed to sound American but to sound robotic or computerized because that's what his character was, was this kind of you know like computer system keeping everything in check and uh, you know a, a, a personification of a machine. And so Agent Smith had this very kind of a purposeful and deliberate speech style so that he sounded sounded machine like but it didn't you know you joked about auto tune you know they didn't have to auto tune him or give him kind of like a, a like a robot voice or anything like that it was just the way that this actor uh, that Hugo Weaving was able to communicate in, in that kind of style I felt like Superman that that Henry Cavill did that that it was almost like there was some sort of training involved of here's how to sound like Superman and that he nailed it. <laughs> that's 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 what we were hearing was uh, he's going to speak something about the way he breathed or his the pace of the words he used and or, or whatever the case was. However they trained him, um, he just sounded like Superman. I agree. Yeah, Superman always has. You assume he has a certain presence, mm-hmm. and I think you could really get that presence from the way the way that he spoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm glad you mentioned The Matrix, by the way, because while I was watching the movie, I thought not since the the Matrix sequels have I seen fight scenes that like this, right? Where it's really, I mean, other superhero movies have have done a really good job, but it was that point where again following the rules, right? In The Matrix, you had there were no rules actually towards the end, and in this movie, the rules were that these guys are just ridiculously powerful and they can fly. And that's what the fights look like. Yeah. And I'm so happy for that. Like you can't do a Superman. This is a complaint that there always is about Superman video games. 
like, how can you have a Superman video game where just burglars and stuff are shooting at him and and it somehow hurts him or something like that? Like, you can't. They're not on the same level. You you can't do something like that. And a sequel can't be about a band of uh, you know bank robbers or anything like that or coming up against the Joker, right? Like, that's not that's not a challenge. Right. Yeah. Super- for Batman, it was, but not for Superman. Yeah. Superman is. I think the bottom line is that Superman is a difficult character to write in a in a way that that people connect with. Um, only in the sense that uh, people who are less familiar with Superman, less familiar with the Superman comic books and, and the stories available, um, who, who just think about, you're, you're telling me about an alien who can fly, you know, who can uh, reverse time by flying around the earth and can, <laughs> you know, buildings and, and be unscathed and all that. You're telling me that this, this godlike being um, that I'm supposed to relate to him, like how can I, how can I possibly have anything in common with this person? I think that's kind of the almost like the invisible wall that that's in place between people who don't read the comics and don't know the stories, and um, and and uh, and Superman and 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 how he's thought of. Um, but thankfully, with a movie like this, I think they were able to uh, you know by taking some of those liberties and by by saying we're going to to like produce a different Superman than the comics would would have us know and make him more accessible and appreciated by the non-comic book reading audience. And of course, of course, again, I understand comic book fans are upset um, and that I still have my, my minor issue with that ending as well. Uh, but I, I think that the way, they, the way they set it up and the way that they envisioned it and what they're trying to do absolutely set out to... to and they, they set out to, to achieve a certain goal and they did. They nailed it and uh, create a great movie that um, can hopefully answer some of those critics of how do you connect with a hero... Well, here's how you can. Um, they they gave us plenty to to do that with. It bothers me, kind of like the Mark Wade comments and uh, and a lot of people complaining about Superman would or wouldn't do that in the comics right now, right? In the DC Comics universe, there's 52 different realities, right? Mm-hmm. And in each and every one of them, there's a different version of um, everybody including the extreme which is like the the opposite of the good superman which is the um, i think it's ultraman right it's this version that's raised by lex luthor's father instead of um or he's raised by the luthers instead of by the kents and he is essentially a villain and a horrible person so to think that a different variation of the hero can't be a little different that kind of bugs me i think it's okay and i think that if um grant morrison he just rewrote um, Superman's origin, right? And Superman is this really—he's uh, all about social justice, right? At the beginning of the of the new series, and the new Superman is a little different than the one there was before the the new Fifty Two um, relaunched their entire uh, superhero line. So I don't know. I think it's okay. Like you, you gave Christopher Nolan, David Goyer, and Zack Snyder full reign to make their version of Superman, and I don't see I don't see why people have a problem with that, and they don't have a problem with Ultraman or the um, Red, Sur- Red Sun version of Superman or all the many, 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 many different versions of Superman that have existed over the years. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm seeing some comparisons of uh, the Avengers to Man of Steel 2 from, from people that, that I would tend to, uh, to align with with uh, regard to, you know, how, why are people so up in arms about Superman cl- uh, kissing Lois Lane in the middle of all that rubble and all that, uh, whereas at the end of the Avengers, 
uh, people are all laughing at the Avengers having a, a you know shawarma uh, in the middle of a, a broken restaurant as like the shopkeeper there is like is sweeping up from all the rubble that was just caused throughout New York City. You know, that, <laughs> it's essentially the same scene, but people are like, "Oh, that's hilarious, and I love it." Versus, uh, you know, I can't believe he would do this, and how how irresponsible he was at at the letting all this carnage and all this uh, collateral damage take place in Metropolis and, and all that. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was forgiving absolutely of, of the Avengers. I thought it was hilarious. I'm just as forgiving about Superman uh, kissing Lois Lane and saying, ah, oh, here's a moment. I mean, it was, yeah, it wasn't the best in terms of like romantic setup and, and leading us to that moment, but whatever. It's, it was cool. It was great. It was fun and, uh, and gives us, again, more stuff for the second one. And it was a small little reward for both of them after a really, 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 really bad time. And actually, they didn't know that it wasn't over. Right. You had no idea that Zod was still there and that a huge, another 10-minute long fight scene was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But but um, I'm glad you, you made this comparison because in the comics, there's a really different feeling to Marvel comics and DC comics. And I'm not sure how how much of a generalization it is, but the idea that in, in DC comics, you get a lot more, like you go into the hero's minds and there's a lot more monologue than there, there usually is in, in Marvel comics. And so just this idea that they're more serious, I guess, and more introspective. So I guess the movies are kind of moving in that direction too. I think the Marvel movies have been amazing and they're, they're a lot of fun. But the the DC movies have been very the, the late the the most recent ones at least have been very a lot more serious and a lot more introspective and 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 make you think and there's a lot of deeper themes in them I think than in the Marvel films and that's okay I think I think they had to do with what they did with um, Batman they had to do something similar with Superman so it would be really interesting to see what they do with other heroes like Green Lantern was more in line with with what they've done with Marvel movies, right? Than than this new, brand new DC feel in in films that we have now. So I'm glad I'm I'm okay with and them more, rebooting uh, all of life the and technical DC heroes uh, in this new up. tone. And we've been talking Superman for more than an hour. And going so in that direction. I think I'm good with Man of Steel. Is there world. anything else I'm you okay want to say that. about the movie? No, just just loved it, and I hope more people see it, and and more people be open minded about enjoying it. It's just a, a great Superman movie, and and you know it's uh it just it's wonderful. Yeah, he's a he's a tragic character in many ways, and the, and that's the side that they decided to to talk about in the movie. And maybe in future movies, he'll be a different version, sort of older, wiser, more experienced. Right. Um, and think of the movie in different scales, and you'll like it and hate it in different ways. Um, and you'll be okay. You'll be able to enjoy it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, thank you, Doctor O'Connor, for coming on the show again. Sure. Um, let's, uh, let's plug our, uh, geek therapy panel at Comic-Con. Oh. You want to go, go for that? Yeah, absolutely. If anybody's going to be at San Diego Comic-Con this year, uh, uh, Josue Cardona, myself, Dr. Patrick O'Connor, um, Laura Vecchiola, Elizabeth Smith, Frank, Dr. Frank Gaskell, Dr. Dave Verhagen, we are all going to be on this panel moderated by Dr. Travis Langley, who wrote Batman and Psychology. And this panel is called Geek Therapy, How Superheroes Empower us all and it is just it, we're just going to talk all about 
how uh, comic books and superheroes and uh, and everything in, in in anything we can relate in geek culture to uh, to how it's it, you know superheroes are just so wonderful and that we why we love them how they can um, uh, boost us up what you know what there is out there in, in positive psychology that uh, that you know that shows that that we can be stronger thanks to superheroes and uh, and of course there's going to be a, a, a awesome awesome Q and A from some really passionate audience members I'm sure who are, who want to know all about uh, you know what we do and stuff and so if you're going to be there please come on by and uh, check us out ask awesome questions and uh, and of course find us at, at Comic Con we'll be wandering all around um, all uh, all four days plus the, the preview night. And, uh, and, you know, Josue and I, we love, love, love talking about geek therapy, talking about superheroes and stuff, and, and all of our experiences in using superhero mythology in therapy. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a blast. Yep, so it's uh, Thursday, July 18th at 12 o'clock. We don't know what room it is yet, but um, come check us out. We're really looking forward to engaging with everybody and and answering questions so check us out there um dr patrick o'connor thank you for coming on the show sure yeah glad glad to be here and um once again where can people find out more information about you and what you're doing just go to comicspedia.net and you'll find two links in there i've got uh, a blog where i write about comic books and psychology and i also have the database where uh whereby people can uh, therapists can find comic books that they can bring into therapy all right, and for more information on Geek Therapy, just go to geektherapy.com. Follow us on Twitter at Geek Therapy. <laughs> <laughs>